Ever wonder why we relate and connect to the stories around us? Welcome to the DNA Podcast, a show where we discuss books, movies, and entertainment that help us understand who we really are. I'm Annabella. And I'm Dakota. Let's dive into our DNA. Well, kitty on up, everybody. Welcome to another surefire episode of the DNA Podcast. I'm your host, Dakota, and this is my co-host, my partner in crime, Annabella. Well, howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Root News, Toot News podcast around. Amen, honey. Amen. We are caffeinated. Mm. We had our burritos. Mm. About- <laughs> little Tex-Mex. Little Tex-Mex up in here. And now we're ready to get on with this new episode. Now, some of y'all might be wondering, when, <laughs> to gonna when, watch the when did I sign up for a Texas woman podcast? Now, let me tell you this. You didn't. But today, we saw how bright we looked on camera, and we needed to put on a hat, and this was the only one we could find. So if you watch, you know, the fun bloopers, we have cowboy hats on. We have cowboy hats on. Ooh, anyway. Hi, everybody. Hi, sorry about that. Welcome back. On a real note, we have a really emotional, a very intellectually stimulating book that we read today. Kind of a contrast, because we were just joking around. But I think... You know, it's all about, this book is really about, like, the outlook you have on life. 100%. And sometimes, I believe, you just need to be a little silly. You know, you got to put a cowboy hat on. You got to crack some jokes, because that's life. And we don't know how much life we have left, do we? Truly. No, we Mm -hmm. don't. But this book sure talks about that. So what are we talking about today, Anna? Today, we are talking about the book called The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. When it seems like any other day, you wake up, pour a cup of coffee, and head out. But today, when you open your front door, waiting for you is a small wooden box. This box holds your fate inside, the answer to the exact number of years you will live. From suburban doorsteps to desert tents, every person on every continent received the same box. In an instant, the world is thrust into a collective frenzy. As society comes together and pulls apart, everyone faces the same shocking choice. Do they wish to know how long they live? And if so, what will they do with that knowledge? The measure charts the dawn of this new world through an unforgettable cast of characters whose decisions and fates interweave with one another. Best friends whose dreams are forever entwined, pen pals finding refuge in the unknown, a couple who thought they didn't have to rush, a doctor who cannot save himself, and a politician whose box becomes the powder keg that ultimately changes everything. Boom. That is the measure. So first impressions, what did you think? First impressions, I I really liked it. Yeah. Overall, as a book, it kept me coming back. The one thing that I, I felt like if you're reading this, and as we're going to relay this to you, there's a lot of different characters mm-hmm. from a lot of different points of view. So it might get confusing to kind of follow along as we speak about this throughout the podcast because when I tell you, I think there's literally eight characters with eight different storylines, eight different experiences, but are somehow all intertwined towards the end. And so we're going to be saying a lot of names. We're going to reference a lot of different things and it's going to get a little confusing. Just strap on in and enjoy the ride. Put your boots on and let's dive in. (laughs) Strap on in, cowgirl. So before I actually even get into the characters, which will be like an easy, quick, just like this is what, you know, their certain situation is and this is how they're related. The description that, you know, we read just kind of touched on it. But essentially, 
there is one day where everybody all around the world wakes up and they have this wooden box outside their door and nobody mm-hmm. knows where it came from, how it got there. They just appear. And mm-hmm. inside is a string. And on the inside, there's a, it's basically the string and this quote engraved inside that says, the measure of your life lies within. Mm-hmm. And so this like whole thing kind of takes the world by storm, which is kind of cool. So like there's like scientists who are trying to figure out like, where did this come from? What is the length of the string? They're doing a lot of research to kind of figure out like, what does this really mean? Is there any legitimacy to this? Ultimately, what people find out is that the length of the string determines how long like your life is a little bit later on when this like kind of develops they start to like have i think it's like a database where you can actually see oh well if it's down to like the centimeters if it's this centimeter or this many inches long you know you're gonna live to your 44 right like they have it down to like almost the month yeah they got it for real for real which is crazy and Mm -hmm. so it basically creates this dilemma of do i open the box because like no one's forcing them to they just appear right and so you have all these different characters who have many different walks of life going through of the same experience in different ways. So Mora has a long string. Her partner, Nina, has a short string. Nina goes and kind of attends this like support group for short stringers. Mm-hmm. And like this is kind of, I think it's like the first story we really kind of hear um, about now there is like a divide in this world between long stringers and short stringers. So people who have lots of life to live, people who have very little life or not that much life to live after that. Yeah. Amy is Mora's sister, um, but she decides not to look at her string and yes. not open her box. That is an option. Yeah, you don't have to. You no don't have to look. No one's forcing you to. She later is a, she's a school teacher and she later bec- has like a pen pal kind of relationship with a short stringer at the time mm-hmm. who's in the same group as Nina. They go to the same like support group for short stringers and that is Ben. Mm-hmm. Ben is the pen pal to Amy, short stringer. And that's pretty much all I'll say for now about him. Javier, he is in the military. He finds out he has a short string. He wants to make his family proud. Yes. And so he and Jack, who is also in the military and has a long string, decide to switch. Yes, they decide to switch because Javier is much more qualified in the military sense Whereas Jack is the kind the kind of kid who just entered the military due to generational pressure from his family. He's come from like a long line of military sergeants and whatever. And his uncle is a politician. Uh, his the politician uncle is a long stringer. So this creates an interesting divide because as the world continues to split between long stringer versus short stringer. It actually gets spilled over into the political sense of campaigning for basically being pro-life and long string versus anti-short stringers. Because as the world goes into a frenzy, people who are short stringers are lashing out, committing crimes, robbing banks. They've got a couple of years left to live. Fuck it. What do they have left to lose? And so that politician's name who is... Jack's uncle is Anthony. Like Anna said, he's, you know, a political candidate. He kind of actively uses short stringers to gain political following and support. Not a really great guy, in my opinion. Nope. Um, Me neither. I would assume most readers also feel that way. Um, And then the last character who I kind of forgot about, but they do play a really nice role, is Hank. Um, Yes. Hank is the ER doctor. Um, He basically witnesses you know, life and death all the time. And especially as this short string versus long string controversy comes into play, 
it definitely comes into play into the medical field because now insurance companies are coming in and they're like, oh, well, if you're a short stringer, then like we're really not going to insure you because you're going to be gone anyway. It, mm-hmm. it gets to a point where it's like you can't actually care for people yes. based on how long and how much you know life they have left to live. Right. But that's it. Uh, Nina, Mora, Amy, Ben, Javier, Jack, Anthony, and Hank. Beautiful. That is eight people. That's a lot of people. But it's, it's, I don't know, I feel like when I was reading it, I also really liked this book. I, I did the audiobook of it, and, like, I don't know why it was easier for me to keep track of. She didn't yeah. do, like, different voices, per se, but I don't know. I just, I felt like it was easier. Did we listen to, I'm just curious, because I listened to the YouTube version. Audiobook. Yeah, it was the same woman. She, like, changes her voice, but, like, not Yeah, really. yeah. When she talks to Jack, she's like, Jack. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So we listened to the same one. All right, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I absolutely love this. I remember when I first, I think I saw it on, like, a like a recommendation on like Goodreads about this book. And I remember this just came out, I think in 2023 or two, very recent. Um, And concept wise, it's like, oh my God. So like, if you had the power to know how long you would live, like one, what would you do with it? And two, how does that impact the entire world? Oh, and caveat to this. So you don't receive your... Yeah, other than this first initial wave. Yes, you don't then receive your box until you're 22 years old. Which is interesting because I'm wondering why 22. Yeah, I don't know. I thought maybe like 2018 adult, like, you know, I don't know. 22 is an interesting like. And they don't really ever like expand on that. Why? It's just yeah. what it is. She just picked that. And yeah. I feel like she was like, so I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if it has any significance, yeah. but it is kind of interesting to think about why. Yeah. That would be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's kick this off because I'm going to ask you, lady, are you opening your box or not? I feel like I probably would be like Amy. I don't think I would look. I don't think I would look either. I. It's so much harder, I feel like, to live your life authentically if you already know the outcome. 100%. You know? And it's it's tough because I, I do see every side to it. So, you know, you think of people who have a short string in this world. And a question I want to ask you a little bit later is, like, what they do with that. So it's like, do they tell people? Do they not mm, tell people? Mm, um, mm, do they mm. act recklessly? Do they become a hermit and just give up? You know what I mean? Like there's, um, you know, you see a lot throughout the book that like a lot of businesses close down because there's like, I'm outliving life. You know, I'm I'm not, you know. Going to work myself into yeah, the ground. So right. There are positive things that come out of knowing it. And then there's also like a huge responsibility from knowing it. I think it's very difficult to not hyperfixate, at least for me. And I know my own personality. Yeah. I would not sleep at night i'd be i'd be sobbing my eyes out every single night thinking oh my god i wasted a year on you know what i'm saying like i would reflect back on my life and regret so much and i would this is just me i would have too hard of a time trying to move past it because that's time you don't ever get back and like for me in this situation ignorance is bliss yeah but then it's like the other part of me also feels like i would want to know if like my parents, you know what I mean? Like I would want to know their outcome because like I would make my time more centered around them. Yeah. So it's like, I don't want to know for myself. You know, I just want to know for everybody else. What if we do like a midlife, like you turn 60 or like you turn like 50 and then you look like I'd be down for that because I lived my twenties. Well, that's if you make it to that point. Yeah. (laughs) Which you won't know. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's tough. I don't think I would. Honestly, I really don't. Because um, as this book kind of unfolds, there's like a lot of craziness that happens. And one of the things that's like kind of important to keep in mind that 
we kind of were talking about when we first talked about the description is like this divide that happens between the short and the long stringers and like how people respond to finding out what their string length is. Yes. So based off of like kind of like what the media projects is that like short stringers, they're seen as unstable. They're not able to get like medical treatment or insurance coverage. And also less people are interested in them romantically. So like, you know, people will go on dates and they'll be like, oh, are you a long stringer or a short stringer? And if like, oh, I'm a short stringer. They're like, okay, bye. Yes. And how do you feel about that? I think it's wrong because you could have the love of your life. Soulmates are unpredictable. You can have the, the meet your soulmate tomorrow and they die in a month. Like, but I feel like we have, we have different avenues of fate. And I feel as though no matter which way fate turns it sometimes, I believe somewhat in the concept of free will. I believe in the concept that we make our own choices, but I have a, a, I have a belief that I don't want to get into right now that overall there's already a predefined and predetermined everything for us. There was one example in this book where there was the man and wife who both tried to commit suicide because they knew one was a long stringer, one was a short stringer. And instead of being afraid of, of progressing their relationship, they got married very quickly and then they both tried to commit suicide. Obviously, the one who's a long stringer was a failed attempt and he survived, but the wife who was the short stringer, died. And, you know, I just feel as though... I feel like you just wasted everything by doing that. <laughs> yes and no, because in my opinion, when it's your time to go, and I think this this applies to the string theory here, if it was her time to go, they would have... Maybe they didn't get to jump off the bridge together and that was her way of dying. She chose that method, but this is where the free will aspect is. She chose to jump, right? Whereas... They could have left the church hall and got into a car accident together and boom, she's dead anyway. Yeah. I just, that's my belief like in life and in all of this. So I think it applies to this book. So in choosing to like love somebody and in choosing to like whatever, like I, that's my opinion too. Like I think it's so stupid to not then date somebody because your, your real true soulmate or whatever would have been totally passed based off of a stupid choice you're making yeah. due to a fear that's been projected by the rest of the world. It's it's tough, which is why I think I liked this book so much because it was so thought provoking. And it I it's funny, like I, I read a lot of the reviews of this after I finished reading it. And a lot of people were like, oh my God, this is way too political. This is way too political. And it's like, but these are like real, real. lives and real story. Not obviously real, but like Real things that people have to, like, consider and go through. And, like, sure, it can be applied to a lot of other things that, like, our society specifically faces and struggles with all the time. But, you know, I think especially with, like, the whole dating thing, it's, like, I think it's very easy to write somebody off because they don't meet a certain criteria, right? And we've talked about this before in yep. previous episodes. But I agree with you. I feel like it's not fair to immediately write somebody off because they have a short string um, in this world. Because uh, you don't know either way, like at this, if at this point, if they were going to die tomorrow, like, yeah, that sucks. But it's like, why not make like that last day worth something? The best day ever. And so that's why like that story of that couple jumping off the bridge or whatever, trying to commit suicide made me so mad. Because it's like, even if like that was how, like if she was going to die soon anyway, and like they did, I don't think they knew up until the day, it was just like the age. Yes. The, the, yeah. They didn't know like exactly when they were going to go. But for me, it's like you could have spent like so much more time with that person together and like died, even if it was a tragic way. But at least you got to like, you know, spend it like to me. I was just like, why would you do that? Part of me that's a control freak would try some shit like that. 
you know, which as the story progresses, like people did decide to start doing that. They, they chose to open their boxes. They saw they had short strings. They would live a fantastic life off stroke. They would live a fantastic life up until like the days or weeks, you know, coming up. And then they made active choices to like take a pill and like die like in their sleep as they knew they were getting super close to the end of that string versus being out in the world and then getting like sideswiped by a bus. Yeah. And in the same token, too, you see that with long stringers, too, where people find out they have a long string and they get a little bit more ambitious. They get a little more rebellious. They start mm. doing fucking, you know, crazy drugs because they're like, well, it's not going to kill me. I'm, I'm going to live until I'm like 80 something years old. And Which so is, they start doing crazy yeah. stuff. Which is fucked in my opinion because it's like, okay, it won't kill you. But like the guy who tried to commit yes. suicide with his wife, he was paralyzed for the rest of his life. For the rest of his life. Like what? That what? That's why I'm saying it's – and the thing that makes it so mind-boggling, and this is not really relevant because this is the whole point of the story, but like if these strings didn't exist – these people would have lived their life as normal, but they've actively normal. made decisions, especially the short stringers who are yeah. like, I'm going to just, you know, take a pill or I'm going to do whatever. It's like, well, you're actively choosing to do that then. If this didn't exist, you wouldn't do this in a normal day. 100%. So it's like, it's amazing what a small concept that nobody knows where it comes from, uh, who brought it there, why it's there. Like, it just consumes people. As a human society, we don't have the ability to cope very well we have these ways of coping that are unhealthy in terms of constantly needing to pick a side and so that's exactly basically what happened in this book if you're on the short string side or the long string side and that's not even your choice to make but society then makes it for you because that's how we freaking operate unfortunately and people then choose through their own free will to act out, go crazy, spend time with family, whatever it might be, that it then creates this divide. And somehow, some way, America finds a way to capitalize on it. And I'm saying America specifically because other countries do get spoken about in this book, which yeah. I think is really fucking interesting because they're unfazed. Yeah. They're not acting the way that we're acting. It has no agenda politically. It has no agenda medically. It has like all of the different aspects of it. Are, are completely different because of how they're able to cope and value and cherish life versus us. Yeah. Let's talk about the actual storyline. We have not fucking even gotten there. This can affect people in so many different ways. And so at first you're like, oh my God, eight main characters. That's ridiculous. But it's like yeah. even beyond those eight main characters, there's other stories of like how this affected people in ways that these characters didn't experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we can talk. Let's talk about some of the characters. Let's start with Mora and Nina. Yes. Mora and Nina. They've been together for about two years, a uh, lesbian couple. They're very happy-go-lucky. They both choose to look at their strings. One is short, one is long. And instead of them taking the approach of, well, this isn't going to work. I'm not going to, you know, continue to date you as a short stringer versus long stringer. Yeah. They choose to get engaged and take a beautiful trip abroad where they learn about life and some more of its meaning and kind of what you mentioned was that uh, when they go to i think it's italy they went to italy they went yep. to italy and they're talking with some of the locals and she, the one woman like specifically says how to them this is just more of like a way of life it, it's not so much of like us versus them kind of a situation as it is over in like the states where mora and nina live yes um it's very so much just like ingrained in their way of life and acceptance of mm -hmm. it i would say like the theme of this whole story is 
accepting your quote unquote fate. All of us have the same fate at the end of the day. We all got to go. It's just a matter of when. When. And how are you going to accept that when it happens, right? But the other interesting thing that's um, involved with Nina and Mora's relationship is that before the strings came into their lives, they were kind of like not really thinking about having kids anymore. And so when Nina found out that she had a short string, naturally it's kind of like, well, then I can't have kids, right? Mm-hmm. And her partner, Mora, was like, well, yeah, we weren't going to really probably do that anyway. And because all of a sudden Nina can't, it starts making you feel like you want, well, what if I did want? I didn't know if I wanted to right now, but now I feel like I have the pressure to like choose to choose and to do it. And it starts to kind of consume her a little bit and kind of relates to when breath becomes air. 100%. You know, the same thing of like, you know, I know I don't have that much longer to live on this earth. Like, is it irresponsible to bring a kid into this world? And leave my partner and then, alone with And them. leave them alone. Yeah. It's tough. Well, I think their journey through Italy put a lot of perspective in my own head as well. And it's really funny because my family's Italian. So I actually brought the book up to my parents. And I was like, Ma, there's this one part where these two girls are are traveling through Venice and... I didn't even know this, but the history of Venice is that they used to wear masks. And that's actually like a real thing. I really didn't know. You know, you could be the poorest of the poor, but at nighttime you wear the mask and nobody can judge you. Nobody can, you know, whatever. And I feel like maybe this author picked Venice on purpose because to show you the strings could have been unifying and could have been masks to join us as a society instead of further separate but we chose to separate whereas italy chose to band hands together and say exactly we live life as it is and i was telling my dad about how the lady said you know it's not an issue for us these boxes aren't an issue for us because we already value the more important things in life like art and music and culture and food and whatever versus america where it's like "Mm, social media like it's like all these superficial things our pride our pride right gets in the way are you go i told my dad and he was like yeah you didn't know that like my dad was like anna when we would go to italy and visit uncle frank they plan their entire day about uh, around what they're eating for dinner it's (laughs) one day at a time he instead of going to and he used this example it was so funny he said instead of going to a shop right like how we do and doing a bulk grocery buy just to get it all over with and whatever and you buy it for the so you have food for two weeks and you don't go back to the grocery store again for two weeks in italy it's day by day you wake up and you're like huh i think we're gonna do eggplant for dinner and you go to the the farm stand that has the best eggplant and then you go to the other farm stand that has the best cheese and then you go to the other farm stand that has the best bread and you make your rounds and it's a whole day affair to get one meal versus us in america where it's mass produce bulk buy get it over with it's not an experience whereas everything even down to the meal overseas is an experience of life and enjoyment and then the satisfaction of the cultivating and so it really put a lot into perspective because I think it was the lady at one of the shops that they were talking to who said it's the depth, the depth of life, not the length of your life. And it's so true because I, my biggest fear in life is something I've said. It's the success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure because I don't care how my stature is in life. If I've not done something fulfilling, like I failed. What was the, what was the point of my life to make somebody else richer in a company that I don't even like, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I'm going off on a tangent. No, Hi. but this is what I'm saying. It, it, it's all related in some way. It's important to kind of mention the distinction that 
societies and countries like Italy are so much older than we are. Yeah, that's they've very had, true. They've had so much more experience and like we're still such a very young country. Yeah, we, we have like a lot of the stuff that like we're going through is like like we're talking like early fall of Rome days is like time period where we're at right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it makes sense. We're so young as a country yeah. and our history is so young. So it feels like, oh my God, we're ending, we're ending. And like, I don't know. We do have a lot more in our hands, like destruction wise than like people did then. You're so right. But like, we're just essentially going through the same things that like all of these older nations already have revived and re- yeah. you know revolutionized and gone right. through and made it. They're more so mature in their... We're like the little teenager of the world, I feel like. That's yes. like, I know how the world should be and I'm going to do this. And everybody else is like, Girl, I've lived so much more life, but go ahead, <laughs> learn for yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It, that's kind of what it is. And I think that's like a really good distinction that the author kind of writes is like yeah. the way that other countries around the world have kind of accepted it. Right. Versus how, you know, they are back in the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, these two are, are choosing love and choosing a life together regardless of the strings. Um, and so they choose to get married and to, to bring in the sister, Amy, she finds out about this union that they're about to embark in. And she's like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? She's got a short string. You have a long string. Like, like, why would you hurt yourself like this? Like, yeah, in a, why in would a, you put yourself through that pain? Knowing, knowingly. Knowingly, right. In a protective sense. But at the end of the day, if the girl's the love of her life, it's the love of her life. She, she, I'd rather have you for a moment than have you for none. Like, Whatever. And I, I agree with the mindset. So yeah. essentially her and the sister, Amy and Mora, have a falling out because she's not supporting the idea of, of, of her sister knowingly diving into extreme heartache and pain. Um, but she doesn't like, you know, know when. Yeah. And not for nothing, but like Amy is a person who chose not to look at her string either. So like right. for me, I do like her character a lot, but I feel I'm like, Girl, you don't even know like the end of your life. Why right. are you judging other people right. for there? You know, exactly. theirs, you know? So it's interesting. So as Amy is this school teacher, one day, you know, she notices this piece of paper that somebody uh, drew on, correct? Right. Yeah, the janitor found a drawing. So at night, um, there the school hosts these um kind of like not AA, but like, it's like support group. Support yeah, yeah. group therapy sessions for short stringers. And Nina goes to one of them. And so they, one of them happened, you know, to be in the classroom where Amy teaches and a janitor, I guess, found a drawing that somebody had left, thought it was a kid's drawing, but it was actually from that support group the night before. The drawing was of buildings, which is indicative because it was a letter from Ben, who was actually an architect, but on there, it had like a poetic, like question type thing. Yeah. And so Amy saw the note and didn't think that somebody was like wanting to actually have a response to it, but. She ends up like writing a little thing back on it and placing it kind of in a spot where whoever comes back for the support group would obviously see that it was like still there for them if they yeah. or, or, or if it was the student or whoever it would probably be able to see it and come back to it. Yeah. Um. And so that's exactly what happens. The next support group meeting occurs. Ben attends again and he sees the, the letter and it becomes this back and forth exchange, but they don't exchange names. They write A and B because Amy and Ben. And through these letters, they're really getting to know each other. He's uncovering a lot about himself and, you know, some of the questions of life that he has and same with her, but not knowing who each other are. Ben previously was dumped from a girl he was in a very committed relationship with because she, the the ex-girlfriend, chose to look at his box. He had chosen not to look. 
which was, is messed up. In is, my I agree with you. It's very messed up. He chose not to look. And one day the girlfriend busts in and she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he's like, whoa, what's going on? Like, did you do something wrong? And she's like, I need you to sit down. And he's like, okay. And she's like, I looked at your box and I'm breaking up with you. Like uh, double blow. And he's like, why you have a short string. And she's like, not me. How for one, I can't believe somebody would do that. Yeah. And for two, I feel like that's the worst way in time to break up with somebody. Just that abruptly back to back, like to yeah. even give it a shot, like cool down, let the emotions come down and like whatever. But at the end of the day, love is love. And when it's an unconditional love, you would look at the box and be like, Fuck it. If like it's Maura a and Nina. Exactly. Yeah. But if it's a conditional love where this may have been a shallow love, like, bye. Yeah. I'm not putting myself through that. And that was the exact excuse that this girl made. So Ben is a little bit jaded from this experience. And now that he knows how long he has left, it's it's about 15 years, 14, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 30 and it says about mid, mid 40s, 40, 44, 45-ish for his time frame of death. So, you know, 15 years is... A, a pretty good time span of life still to Definitely marry and have a child, somebody, children yeah. and whatever. Like that's totally, I feel like doable. And so for him to have been dumped by the girl and it's been a couple years since then, now he's attending this support group and you know, he's a little jaded and he has never told his family the length of his yeah. string either. He always just kind of covered up the breakup. So having the support group and finally meeting people he can level with and having this little pen pal of Amy, you know, he's starting to put himself a little bit back together Funnily enough, while Mora and Nina are away on their Italy trip, they hire Ben to go to the house. He was going to do some artwork for them. And Amy was tasked to go to the house and water the plants, collect the mail, whatever. And so they actually end up meeting each other while doing these (laughs) joint check-ins of their apartment while they're away on this trip. And they hit it off and they go on these dates and whatever. And slowly but surely, he realizes that Amy is the woman he's been writing to this whole time. In that situation, how long would you have waited to let her know that that's the person that you're like talking to and low key falling in love with? Honest answer? Yes. The second I found out. I mean, me too. I would be like, I just realized something and like, I need, I need to tell you. Yeah. Like, I'm sure it would be awkward, but it's like, how is that not a coincidence or like fate that it's right. like you've been talking to this person and you've been having very not intimate in the sense of like, mm, no. but like very intimate, detailed conversations about life and what it means to live life when you only have a certain amount left. And, yes. you know, what it means to be a short stringer and a long stringer. Like you're having these really in-depth conversations where like emotionally you're really connected to somebody. Yes. And you happen to freaking meet them by his assumption like some chance of life and you just start seeing where it goes and you realize oh my god this is the same person there's these are not two different people right i'd shit my pants what are you talking about i'd shit my pants too i think maybe they would have had a different outcome and wasted less time if they did that and they just kind of like jumped and told it together yes because the thing is ben doesn't say anything it's a it's a couple of weeks i believe but he ends up writing a letter back to her pen pal, like wise. It's because he had the last note. And so he ends up writing one to her and says everything and basically says, like, I have this much time left. Like, I, I'm willing to give this a chance and bet on life and building a life with you because I feel it and I see it. And she takes weeks to respond because it's right around the time where she had the tiff with her sister regarding marrying Nina and, and saying, like, why would you waste time? So now she's literally faced 
with the same exact question. Wasting time. Right. That she just yelled at her sister about. And she's literally doing it herself. Amy doesn't know her still to this day. Even when she's met Ben, she doesn't know about her string and how Mm -hmm. long it is. She knows Ben's because Ben's been very honest about it. Right. And so they decide to like build a life together. They end up being at the wedding of Mora and Nina, obviously. Yeah. Um, and they decide like, okay, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. And a, a lot of times throughout this book, especially towards the end, there's a person riding a bike with like a speaker on the back. Yes. And the song that always keeps playing is K Sera Sera, whatever will be, will be. Yeah. Um, which is like the whole point of the book. Mm-hmm. And so like when they're talking outside of this wedding, being like hey, sorry, I didn't like get back to you in a couple of weeks. I have a lot going on. I'm really like scared mm-hmm. of this and like whatever. That random bike person just so happens to come through and that song comes yep. on, which means like whatever will be, will be. be. Yep. Like just live your life. There's fate. You can't, you can't break the fate. So just do it. Just do it. And they do it. And they live a life together. And turns out Amy also had a short string. And one day they're driving home from a date. They had... Ended up getting married. They had two beautiful children and they're in a car crash together and die together. So all this time, oh, I just got chills. Mm-hmm. Um, all this time, Amy was very critical about being with somebody with a short string. And I'm not saying this in a negative way because like it, it, it is it's a tough decision. It, yeah. yeah, it's really tough. But um, she never knew her fate anyway. Right. And her fate happened to be with somebody who I would consider the love of her life. Yeah. And whatever will be will be and that's what it was and that's what and it's be. tragic like for the children however oh, 100%. oh my god with these two kids left over nina had at this point has since passed as well so it's just mora and mora actually takes on the two kids as her own from amy as she's an aunt but kind of like a nice almost like passing of the torch being like i get to continue living my life in a different way and building relationships and like finding you know a different kind of of love for something that I've never experienced before, which is her two nieces or nephews, I forget. And that is Nina, Mora, Amy, and Ben. We are halfway done. We're halfway there. I feel like the next three can be easily kind of summed up as well. Jack and Javier are two best friends going through military academy school. Javier comes from a family not very well off. He's here because he wants to serve his country and do something like with his life whenever. He's very athletic. He's like crushing the PT test. Like he's in that realm. Whereas Jack comes from this line of descendants who have all served in the military and he's there due to obligation. And because it's just like, kind of like what you do. And so they both open their boxes, Javier, short string, Jack, long string. Now (laughs) Jack's uncle, who is also running for political candidacy for president of the United States at this time has chosen to take a pro long string type of stance. And in terms of that, I mean, because of all these issues that have arisen recently from the short stringers, like them breaking into buildings, uh, robberies, he's using all of these events of the short stringers to almost weaponize that and, and put them in a subgroup that they're dangerous and that we want to protect America from the short stringers, protect the, the long stringers. We're the longevity, we're the future, whatever. And so he's creating this toxic environment. And through that, he created something called the STAR Initiative, which forces the military members or anybody who wants to be in the military to report what their string length is. And then you are placed in a specific job field or whatever based on the length. Do you think that that's a correct thing to do? 
No, because basically what we do know is that Javier and uh, Jack switch their strings. Mm -hmm. And with this star initiative that happens, Javier is the one who gets, you know, enlisted into active duty. Like he's, yeah, he's like on the battlegrounds. I think somebody like Javier who actually bleeds for his country and would die for his country would be way better at battle than somebody like Jack who's like, I don't really want this. So like forcing people just because they have a long string to do that. Yeah. Not Not cool. I mean, like, not i not giving this guy anthony who's the political candidate i'm not giving him like any slack whatsoever i i slightly understand being like if we know that you are actually gonna live long then like numbers wise that's good for us because we don't have to keep replacing people on the front line on the front line all the time i, I get it strategically i get sure it. but like socially it's fucked that's messed up to limit people's worth and ability to it's... serve the country that they all live in yeah you know that's I mean? true oh my god i didn't even put it into that perspective you're all members of the same country and you're just like saying that you're not worthy of actually dying for your country it's a weird like obviously yeah. from like a military background which you have you actively like signed up to be a part of that i did not it doesn't mean i don't like love my country but you were willing to to do that and like that takes a special kind of person imagine in this world being like yeah, sorry. No, we got to go with the girl who like watches movies for a college degree. Yeah, I'd she has a long. I'd string. actually be pissed off. Right, like that's messed up. I agree in them switching their strings because I feel like that is the 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 most fair way of them living and carrying out their lives. Yeah, living an authentic life. Really. Right, exactly. And like, sure, did they break the rules? Sure, did they go against like what you're whatever? Yes, but at the end of the day, Javier lives such a more fulfilled life and even died a fucking hero because oh here we go let's talk about it i guess he he got placed as a medic and so everybody around him thinks that he's a long stringer right and so they're on this rescue mission of of trying to um save three i believe it's civilians and they're they're taking on fire and javier says Guys, I can be the bait man. Let me go in the west direction. You guys take the people east. I'll divert them and we'll all get out of here. And then you come back for me. I can fight like I'm good. I'll just be a distraction essentially. And they all are like, we would never do this. We would never do this. But then somebody looks at the commander and is like, well, he's a long stringer. So he's fine. Like he'll make it out. We we know that he's going to make it out because they've based this placement on thinking it a long string meanwhile in his head he knew i'm a short stringer yeah but i gotta do this and so he sacrificed himself right and so sure enough he goes the distraction works but then he ends up dying because he's been shot and he writes a letter to his family to say like his story and like whatever he he confesses to the fact that he did switch the strings and all this stuff but at the end of the day the cost of his life literally saved five others he at least got to make that choice, which is a choice that is an honor almost. Oh, I'm getting emotional for military members because you step out every single day not knowing if you come back. But the whole manipulation of the string theory here is that, oh, I'm going to come back. And so that emotional piece of it in the honor and the, and the sacrifice of serving your country is gone because you know you're going to make it out alive. Yeah. So that's my little spiel. But- he does a hero at a minimum. Unfortunately, which like this kind of breaks my heart is that Jack now is being 
personified as having a short string. Yes. As the nephew of this politician who has a long string and is actively fighting against short stringers. Mm -hmm. And so Jack has to like basically not be himself knowing that he's going to live long. And he's like complaining a lot to Javier about like, you know, I have to like pretend like I have a short string and like, you know, it's just really frustrating because like the way people like look at me or Mm -hmm. whatever. And, And like Javier is just like sitting there like you're talking about me, not you. And and it kind of divides their friendship, unfortunately. Yeah. And they don't, I don't think they really ever come back from that. No. Once Javier dies, people are like, oh, so he did have a short string and he lied. Yes. And he lied. And the reason why the uncle even made it public that he had this short string was because his, his polls were actually going down for a second because he was taking such an aggressive stance and there was an opposing political leader who was on the short string side and saying, listen, equality and peace and coming together like that was his message. And to counter that, he said, oh, don't worry. I'm with you. I love you. I just want to protect us all because look, I even have this short stringer of a nephew. So it put him on the spotlight, which makes this so much stickier. So yeah, to tie all how they how they even as a storyline tie together even further from the previous characters is when he's ready to finally live authentically and be like, I got to let this go, especially now that Javier's died and the military thinks that he's had this long string. Like, it's about to it's about to blow up. Yeah. He reaches out to Mora, who was a journalist, and now she's the director of whatever program and magazine she works for. And Jack goes to her and says, listen, I am going to give you this letter that he gave wrote to his family that'll tell his side and tell the story of why we switched and all the things and i need you to be the one to portray this not my political fuck face of an uncle yeah and it works it blows up it blows lottie dotty everybody er, everybody up and <laughs> what, wait, er, 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 everybody uh, everybody in the club get tipsy tilapia by the way, we've never discussed what tilapia means. Oh, yeah. We say tilapia a lot. <laughs> if you are listening this far, leave a comment on what you think tilapia means. And we'll put it in our story after this episode airs. There's one more character we have to talk about. Oh, yes. Good old Hanky Hank. Good old Hanky Hank. So yes. the other very last character, Hank, that we mentioned, who is the ER doctor, he is a, a short stringer and he knows he's a short stringer. Yes. He he knows um, Ben. He knows Nina. Like he goes to the therapy sessions with them and he's kind of like, I don't know, like the, the dad of the group. Yeah. Like there's just something about him that just seems like. Wiser. Older. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think because of what he experiences in the hospitals a lot. Right. So essentially what happens is outside of the hospital, there is a rally, I guess. A rally for short stringers. For short stringers. Yes. Anthony, the politician, is making a speech there at some point. So yes. it's like, a, it's obviously going to be a very messy and politically environment. charged environment. Yeah. Um, because he's probably going to be talking about how short stringers suck and, you know, need to right. be excommunicated essentially from the right. world. And they're there to be like, no, we're here. We exist. We exist. And so... He is leaving the hospital and he sees all this chaos happens. And all of a sudden he sees a woman in the crowd who's carrying a gun. Yes. And he kind of starts looking around to seeing like, why is she carrying a gun? Mm -hmm. And she starts to make her way towards Anthony, who's giving a speech, the political guy. And just out of 
like pure heroism heroism yeah he jumps in front and takes the bullet and that's how he goes that's how he goes so a short stringer died for a politician who actively speak speaks against short stringers Mm -hmm. that's how he goes because he i guess still feels that a life is a life a life is a life and i think he learns that from working in the hospital and throughout the story of 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 him he kind of exposes how difficult this short and long string aspect has been in the hospitals because people were coming in as short stringers saying like, hey, I need medical help. Like, I'm going to die. Why am I going to die? I have no issues. Like, what's going on? And so people were being turned away because they were flooding and crowding the hospitals. Like, you basically couldn't get care unless you were a long stringer and it was preventative care because they stopped caring. And so like, I think that puts into perspective, like maybe why, because that was, was, you know, bothering him that he would have to turn people away or whatever. And so like, it's the same kind of thing. Like, would you look at your enemy in the face and, and save them versus yourself or not? And, and, and if you don't, I mean, it's almost counterintuitive to how you've been feeling and living previously. So I don't think it's out of character that he saved him. No, not at all. I just like, it's just sad when he goes because it's like, it makes sense for who he is. But it's like, wow, you died for uh, a man who does not give a shit about you and your life. That happens. The whole thing with Javier happens. Anthony's actively using Jack as like a political pawn. And I forget what event it is, but essentially Jack isn't going to be making a speech. Oh, yeah. At some event. And this, I think, is post when the article gets published or like just before. Just before. Just before the article gets published. And he essentially tells the crowd, like, my uncle is a manipulator. He is actively trying to use me as a pawn in his political game. And guess what? I'm not even actually a short stringer. I'm a long stringer. And like he confesses essentially everything. And he gets like yanked off the stage immediately because he's calling his uncle out on his shit to everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm pretty sure it's on like national TV when this happens. Oh, it's on national TV. And of course, naturally, you know, his uncle Anthony is pissed and it's like ready to rip him a new one and jack's just sitting there like mm, i don't care i'm i don't care yeah what are you gonna do i'm a long stringer you can't kill me yeah like yeah true. Know? like what true. are you gonna do about it yeah this puts a lot into perspective because then the uncle then counters it and it's like see ever he's got some mental mer-. like he he kind of like makes it to seem like he looks bad mm-hmm. and the further gain on himself because now the whole shooting of hank and this now, like, they constantly play the victim as the politician. Yeah. And he's like, look, like, we're a target. Like, you, this is why you need to trust and support us. Like, we're not safe here. Like, he, they continue to use it as a, a political gain versus, like, this is a problem, dude. Like, we got to fix this shit. That's it for him. Yeah. And so I think everybody has been tied together and, and it comes to a close because we, we know that Amy and Ben die together. Javier died in battle. Jack has to live out his life serving in an administrative role of the military, even though he's like miserable. Um, Um, Hank sacrifices himself. Hank sacrifices himself. And so it's just Mora, Jack, and Anthony. The long stringers of the groups and the storylines that continue on. All in all, I think they each utilize their time and life so differently. But I feel like Ultimately, whatever was going to be was, <laughs> and that was just Sarah, it. Sarah, whatever it. will be, will be, will be. And there was one quote that I think is good. I mean, this whole book is good food for thought, but it says, 
what if we knew that our waiter, our cab driver, our teacher had a short string? Would we show them greater kindness? Would we pause before we acted? Yes. But I think that is like the whole theme of this story mm-hmm. is is to have self-awareness of our own experiences and others' experiences. Yes. And how do you coexist in a world, in a country, I mean specifically, but how do you coexist with others not knowing their fate? And like not putting yourself in their shoes. Like in this story, we see what happens when you know. When you know, yeah. And like how the government tries to get involved. Mm -hmm. How people, you know, weaponize you or take advantage of you. Or honestly, like belittle you because of how long or short you have to live. Yeah. Like how can we treat each other and ourselves better just by living our lives authentically? So my question, I know we we said we wouldn't look. But let's say you did look. Okay. If your string was short, mm-hmm. would you tell anybody? Yes. Yeah. I would because me and my family are so close knit. My mother would be like, "Oh my god, we gotta get you married tomorrow!" Like <laughs> she, like she'd be off the rails. I would definitely tell Jonathan. Oh my god, I told you I actually asked him. Yeah, tell this story. It was okay. Cute. So me and Jonathan, <laughs> we don't go on real dates. We go on target dates. And it's like usually 9 p.m. and we get a Starbucks. We just walk around Target. We look at the same fucking book aisle every single time, the same video. There's nothing different, <laughs> but we just like to do it together, like whatever. So it was after I just finished reading, I think, a portion of the book about like Ben and Amy or something like that. And I was a little emotional. I was in my feels. And I asked my fiance, I was just like, babe, if I was going to die tomorrow, would you still want to marry me? And he was like, if you're dying tomorrow, I'm marrying you right now. Where are we going? <laughs> he was like, yeah, let's go. And I was like, okay, but like, what if you knew I was going to die in like five years and not just tomorrow? And he was like, Anna, I'll take you to the courthouse tomorrow. I'll call your cousin Johnny, who's an ordained minister online. Like I'm marrying you. Like, I don't care. I love you because I love you. It's not because I love you because I know you're going to be here forever. Like whatever he said. Yeah. And I like literally paused in Target and I started crying in the middle of the aisle because I was just like, yeah, because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Like, I don't care how long I have to love you. I matter how it matters to me how much I love you. Or that I just get to love you. And yeah. Just to have that opportunity to do so. Yeah. That's equally as important. I agree. Yeah. What about you? Um, well, it depends how short my string is. That's what I said. Like, it depends. Like, it does depend. If it was super, super short, I probably would just tell Alec and be like, let's just go and elope. Do so. Not even that. Just like, just, I want to just go away and just like be. be. If it was years, I probably would only tell... Either way, I'm not, like, telling the whole world because I could see in this universe, like, influencers being like, guys, I'm a short stringer and, like, this is my truth. This is my story. And I'd be like, oh, my God, just live it. Stop talking about it. Just shut up and live it. it. Which is kind of this whole book is just shut up and live your life. Just live. Yeah. Yeah, Live your life. Let's get together and feel all right. I don't know why that just came into my head, but I just had to say that. So you would just want to go away. And if you had like a couple years, you would want to do what? I also agree. I wouldn't tell. I would tell like my family unit. Yeah. Just just family and like a couple friends. I probably wouldn't even tell work, to be honest. I'd just be like. Fuck that. I'm telling shit. (laughs) I'd be like, just not show up to work today. What happened? (laughs) She died. (laughs) B.E.D. did. If I only had like a year left to live, I probably would literally quit my job and just yeah. spend the rest of my life savings. Ooh, okay. So I actually have, I forgot I had this question. So like- Do you have your notes this time? They're all up here. 
Oh, I only had three questions. That's why. So the whole idea of the support group. Controversial may be my thoughts. I don't know. You tell me. I would think that they are a massive waste of time. You are sitting there discussing the fact that you have no time left in your life and you are wasting said time speaking about how you have no time. I just feel, I feel like that's so counterintuitive to living like that authentic life that you would want to live. Like I'd be like, I'm not sitting my ass in a chair every fucking week for one hour. That's an hour of my life. I'm not getting back. And according to my fucking calculations, if I'm at this fucking program for six weeks, that's six hours. That's half a day that I'm already losing. Like, am I okay? I'm not well. No, you're just a Virgo. Holy shit. Here's how I feel. It's like, why even go to therapy? Just, yeah, you guys just live. No, I'm not saying that. But like, why do you go to therapy? Oh, me? Not you personally, (laughs) but like. I'm like, because I have depression. No. But like, think of it as like, why do you go to therapy? No, I know. Your therapist is not there to solve your problems. It's to help make them a little bit easier and give you the tools to figure it out. And that's what like this whole group session is about. So it's like, yes, you already know that you're not going to have long to live. But like, if life is a little bit better because you can bond with people who also feel the same way as you, Mm. that makes it worth living. That's how I feel about it. Mm. I have too much anxiety. Uh, that's but you're like you're different that's fine yeah. like you're a different kind of person cuckoo nans i couldn't do it i would be like get me the fuck out of the chair i need to go live my life like this is an hour i could have been like watching a movie with my grandmother like i don't know oh the other question that i had is there a character that you connected with the most i really loved javier and i really loved that mora and her uh, that's the outlook and, and, and aspect of love that I think I would mirror as well as like the job and the passion and like the the chosen sacrifices of Javier. I, I liked Amy because I think there's a lot of me that I see in her where it's like, one, I wouldn't want to know. And two, I overanalyze so much to the point where it's like, I don't see what's right in front of me a lot. And it's something that, like, I, I'm trying to get better at. But I just, like, I naturally was like, girl, I understand. Like, I don't agree with you, but it's like, I'm, like, looking in a mirror right now. As a character, I identify with Amy a little bit more. Yeah. But I but I love and appreciate more on Nina's relationship really, the most. Because yes. it's like, that's, like, what we should all be kind of striving for. 100%. They live life. And, like, Amy doesn't really start living life until she's, you know, finally puts her guard down. All right. Here's the real heavy question. Do you feel... As though you are currently living your most authentic life. Authentic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And if you knew you had this short string, what would you do different? So when you say like you're living your more authentic life, meaning like you're just happy with the choices that you're making? Yeah. Like, because I, I truly feel like I have now, like the people in my life that allow me to be myself mm-hmm. without any judgment mm-hmm. um doesn't mean there's not conflict but if i only knew i had a short amount of time to live it would be like what i said earlier i would quit my job yeah and i would go see the world there's just like and i would go see more of this country like there's just <laughs> true there's so many beautiful places out there and so many different walks of life that to me like i love learning yeah. I, I love experiencing things so i would want to go do that but what about you um are you feel like you're living your most authentic life no yeah no i think i've made a lot of choices up until this up until this point of my life that have been 
not derived on what my heart wanted, but off of what my mind thought I needed. I've spoken about this before. So for me, no, I would probably like up and change my life so much fucking more. How so? I think I'd stop working in corporate America. I would stop working a tech job. I would stop. I don't know. I just feel like post like college, I felt so pressured to make choices that have impacted the rest of my life because of career and because of whatever. Mm -hmm. And so like, I just think that I made choices because it ticked a box that it would set me up for success versus making choices off of something I loved. Like, I love you. You, you dog on your degree sometimes. And I'm like, bitch, shut the fuck up. You got, you got a degree in something you at least love. Yeah. Like I don't love a computer. I need to do something I feel passion towards. And it kills me that I don't feel passion towards it. Like, is it mentally stimulating sometimes? Sure. But like, other than that, I'm kind of good. Even though like my job, I get to be creative every day. That still is like exhausting in its own way. True. I guess like there's other ways I could be living authentically, but like I don't make time for a lot of things that I used to make a lot of time for in college. Like I can tell you the last time I wrote. Yeah, it's just like when when you ex- <laughs> when you expend yourself creatively, like for eight hours, forty hours a week. I can relate. The um, baking thing. Yeah, it's just that like you just don't have the time, and it's like sometimes like I I I get into hobbies that at least are like you know mentally stimulating. But it, if you can find ways to giving yourself a schedule of like making time for those things that make you feel like your authentic self, like that yeah. goes a long way. And I and I've tried to really do that because I don't ever want to like marry myself to a job where that's my identity and I don't have anything else right because that's not what like who we are and that's not yeah. like our lives you know we have a podcast and that allows us to talk about things that matter and that are meaningful like we did back in college, in college that's yeah. what we used to do all the we time used to sit up just an, at night and do this and just talk to nobody who's listening so it's like what's the difference nobody's, what's the difference? nobody's listening to us <laughs> nobody's listening to this now no I'm just kidding so that that's what I'm saying is that I, I know you say that you feel like you don't live your authentic life, but it's like funny because I look at you as somebody who is so fucking authentic. When you walk in a room, people know you're there because you're just you and it's awesome. And I love that about you. And then like for me, I'm usually in the corner somewhere. I don't want I don't want people to know I'm in the room. I just want to hang out and be present. Shh, I was never here. Yeah. And that's like fine because we're just we're very different people. But like I love that about you. So, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. Let's wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Let's say our ratings at the same time out of five. Ready? Three, two, one, five. Four. Oh. oh. Why four? For me, I really enjoyed the. It made me think a lot. I guess I just said four because actually I was going to say 4.5 because I'm a bitch. <laughs> but I remembered Goodreads doesn't do half points. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll just round down. Are you on Goodreads? No. <laughs> you said that because I said that. Yes. You bitch. I guess I just felt like I wanted a little. This is just me, though. I'm always unfulfilled. <laughs> you wanted a more fulfilling ending? I, I did. Like, I felt like. It was very fast. I'm that person that wants like 10 more pages at the end. We're like, where's Maura now? Where's Jack now? Where's Anthony now? Like I want, I wanted a little bit more follow up on the people that were still hanging. I felt complete with Maura. I felt, yeah, because like she has her, her nephews and like, they're going to be fine. Yeah. You know, they're in good hands. I said five out of five because I, I never read a story quite like this where it made me think so critically about. Your life? Yeah, my life, but like not even my life. Possible lives of everybody else and things that I never thought of. I absolutely loved it. I would recommend it to anybody. But I felt like it was a good enough read 
like I said, I didn't like read it. I had the audiobook, so like maybe if I read it, it would be like a lot to kind of keep track of. Yeah, I think I'm gonna be honest. I would have lost it. I, I would have. I think I would have gotten really get- more confused yeah. than I already am, but yeah. like definitely really confused. Key yeah. takeaways are: whatever will be, will be, and live your life. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of singing we have done in this episode. Well, until next time, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We hope today's episode makes you feel a little more connected to your true self. Don't forget to follow the DNA podcast on Instagram so you never miss another episode. Until next time. Thank you.